Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Coaching Call podcast. On this podcast, we'll cover various types of coaching by trainers in sports, martial arts, fitness, and business. We'll discuss each coach's methods to getting the most out of their respective athletes or clients and how they attempt to change the platform in which they coach. Join us on a fun adventure as we discuss unique coaching styles. We've all been coached before, in school, at work, or on a team. Your first coaches were your mom and dad who taught you how to communicate, tie your shoes, or play a simple game of catch. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Raphael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching. Hi, I'm Sifu Raphael, and this is the Coaching Call Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoy my show, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. To donate, go to paypal.me slash Raphael. That's S-I-F-U-R-A-F-A-E-L. I'm trying to keep this podcast free of advertisements. Anything you can donate is greatly appreciated. Thank you. Indoctrinate people. You have to bring them in. You have to warm them up. You have to show them why they should be in your world in the first place. And you have to move them along so that they understand. Because you're asking, even if you give a free ticket, you're asking somebody to exchange three days of their life. In today's episode on the Coaching Call podcast, I'm joined by Jim Padija. Jim is the founder and CEO of Gain the Edge, a done-for-you provider of industry-leading sales systems and unicorn sales professionals. Join us as we discuss the ins and outs on how to have a successful event. Jim, welcome so much to Coaching Call. How's your day going so far? Fantastic, fantastic. It's a good, good, strong day. Looking to end the week like a like a champ, you know? Yeah, definitely. Jim, before we get into, and I know you're the founder of and the CEO of Gain the Edge, right? Right. A done-for-you provider of industry-leading sales systems. And I love this part, unicorn sales professionals. I love that part. But before we get into all that, tell me about your passions. When did you realize that you can help other people attain success? At what age? Sometimes it could have been when you were a little kid, right? You were helping people around, maybe your brothers, your sisters, your your neighbors, your friends. What were you doing when you were a little guy? that impacted your today's, if you will? Yeah, great question. And it is. It's one of those things that I really picked up at a young age, although I didn't really understand the power of what what I had in my hands. Mm. I just knew that any room I was in, I could influence it into my direction. And I could get people to do things that I wanted them to do. And, you know, a lot of it came because I, you know, I grew up in an abusive environment and mm. was, you know, in foster care as a teenager and on the streets and then in jail by 19. And mm. so had a lot of violence and just a tough situation. So I, I had to learn how to influence people to keep them from wanting to hurt me. That was like my primary defense mechanism. Right. And so it, it became, you know, it became a natural skill and, and skills get to hone as to survive to be able to influence people to do things that I needed in order to do that, I had to read them and know what did they want and how could I help them? Hmm. Impact, impact, right? Yeah. You had to impact them exactly. <laughs> so they wouldn't hurt you, right? Cause they would have impacted you differently, right? Correct. So Correct. impact has so many different ways of looking at it, right? So you had to survive, but you also went to jail. How did that come about? That was just a byproduct of, of, not having really great, uh, you know, role models and mentorship. My, you know, my mom had me as a teenager, and she didn't. Mm-hmm. She did the best she could with what she had, but right. you know, she she they didn't. It, I was in a really uh, kind of you know school of hard knocks, survival of the fittest environment when I grew up. So uh, unfortunately, I learned a lot of things the hard way, and right. I didn't. I wish all the decisions I made were because I thought them out and calculated them, but usually. <laughs> I was moving where I thought I needed to go to get what I needed. And many times what I needed came at the expense of somebody else. Wow. It wasn't until I got older that I learned that you can get what you need by serving other people instead of by stepping on other people. Absolutely. That's huge too, right? When you can find that 
how long was your visit in jail? Because I'm going to call it a visit because obviously it was an opportunity for you to learn even while you were there, right? Correct. Correct. And I, and I, I actually appreciate that uh, a visit because it was, I didn't have any really long stays, but I had multiple stays. And, mm. and, you know, a week here, a month there, you know, several months, but I was never a lifelong, uh, you know, inhabitant, uh, you know, inhabitant of, of the system, but I was always in and out of it. And even that was just learning how to, you know, how to manipulate the system. And so that mm. you get in, but you, you go in for certain things and you're only in for a little while. Right. So you get really good at, you know, I used to manipulate uh, defense attorneys and, and court personnel because of mediators and stuff, because they're busy trying to run volumes of transactions. So right. they're not really as engaged as they can be in every single situation. So mm. I, I, I use my powers of influence even there to be able to, to manipulate those situations. Wow. You understood the system, I guess, right, if you will. <laughs> When did you realize that you did not want to continue to visit? Well, it was when I was 25, right? It was when I started, I spent the first 25 years of my life really fighting my way through life. Mm. And then, you know, I got into a physical altercation that in a parking lot with somebody that I did some damage. And, and I realized in that moment I could go to prison mm. and, and I decided I have to find a better way to, to solve problems. And, no longer, you know, it can't just be about me surviving. It had to be about other people surviving. Otherwise, I'm always having to watch my back. I'm always having to look over my shoulder. And even to this day, I don't go into a restaurant and have my, my back facing the door. You know, I'm always reading the room. But uh, you start recognizing that, you know, you're playing for bigger stakes. You make mistakes when you're a kid. It's, you don't think about it as much. But when you're an adult, every mistake could, every, could carry lifetime implications. That's that's very funny that that you said when you go to a restaurant, you're always casing the joint, checking it out. Listen, I grew up in Queens. That was just that's that's the norm for me. <laughs> it's funny because I was with a client not too long ago, and and they wanted to thank me and they wanted to take me to dinner. And so, as soon as we get there, I help them in, and then I take the seat facing the door. And they go, I've always wanted to ask you, every time I've ever been anywhere with you, you always face the door. What's the real reason? I said, I always want to make sure that I, I can protect the people I'm around and I, I will always have your back. Right. And they go, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for, for making sure I'm safe. But in, in that reality, I guess it's, it's the, the caretaker in me to make sure that if anything does come up, I'm able to help them, right? And not only them, but myself as well. And being sure I don't ever want to have my back to the door. And and I appreciate you know that from firsthand. You can never have your your back to the door, right? Yeah, but it's interesting because we both end up in the same place. But mine was primarily for survival for me, right? But whereas you were primarily because you were trying to see how you can, you know, how you can. But at the end of the day, we're both trying to. In, you know, manage the situation, manage the environment. Right. right? Yeah. I, I same thing when I go into a parking lot. The first thing, you know, most people are looking for the closest parking spot. I'm looking for what's going to be the easiest way to get out. Right. So I park there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So even if you have to walk a little, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. You you got out of this habit of of visiting, right? Yeah. At 25, you hurt someone. But you had to do a mind shift. It wasn't just a desire. You actually had to go through a mental change to yeah. make this a reality. What was that like? And, and who whose help did you seek? Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting because even when I was a kid and going through all of the, the, the ups and downs and the damage as I was growing up, most of the damage I did, like I said, was for survival, but it never felt good. There was always a part of me that knew I was doing wrong. Mm. And... Um, you know, and then as I, as I matured and blew up it, you know, you start recognizing that that was God in me, just got, you know, they, by, the, by the grace of God, I was able right. to survive all of this. And when I met my wife, you know, in my, my mid twenties, you know, she's the first person that really showed me what, what love is and that I, I was lovable as I am. Right. Not, I didn't have to like reach some certain standards to become lovable, which is really what I thought as a kid, when you grow up and your own parents are abusing you, 
you live on the streets, you start wondering if you're lovable at all. And so I didn't really know that I could be. And so I didn't experience a lot of this. So I didn't even know if I, if I was if feeling it. I knew what it looked like to show love, but I didn't really know if I was demonstrating. I just knew I could fake it and show people that I love them or that they feel it, you know. Um, but then it's when you start really experiencing feeling love by someone. She's the first person. She, she showed me that you don't need anything. You don't need to be anybody special. Mm. You just need to be real. You be you. And, and so once you know that, then you just start living into that process. And so now I've spent the second half of my life just really focusing on being the person who is worthy of love and being a person who can demonstrate it and give it to as many people as possible. And the crazy thing is once you start recognizing that, you start you start seeing the the fruits of that labor right and you know i life is easier relationships are better wealth is more abundant right you just purely show up to serve people yeah i mean wow i grew up in a way where i didn't know love myself you know i was uh, i went on the streets by myself at 10 10 years old and um you know one of the commercials that i used to see when i was a kid was uh, i think it was channel 7 or whatnot when we still had the rabbit ears, you know, and it was, uh, it's 10 o'clock, you know, where your kids are. Right. And I was like, wow, because when I ran away from home because of the abuse that I was getting, I didn't know what love was because all I knew was abuse, you know, right. just similar to you. But I had the, the, I would say my guardian angel was my oldest sister who at the age of 10, decided to actually take me on and she was she became responsible for me so she gave me a stable home with her husband who she still calls herself my mother's sister which is kind of funny right when we think of someone that can step in and, and make a difference in our lives like like your wife did for you where she showed you true love and that she loved you for who you are not who you need to become and you know i found that at 10 years old, but it took me a long time to understand love and for me to really feel love for other people. And you probably, if it, tell me if I'm wrong, but you probably went through the same thing where being that you didn't feel that love, you probably did not give it as well, correct? Right, yeah, I didn't even understand it. Uh, you know, and essentially I, I, I really, I, I turned it off. Because, you know, when you're 10 years old and getting beat and whipped and whatever else, you just, you know, I, I remember, you know, turning out. I, just, I remember making a conscious decision that I was not going to let my mom see me cry anymore. I was like, I'm not going to let her win. And so I literally just like turned off pain. But in order to turn off pain, you know, you're turning off love too. Mm -hmm. So I went for the next 15 years of my life just out feeling much of anything. I was just scorched earth. I just, I was in it for me. Would you say that, I, I guess, you know, and, and you're still married, it's Cindy, right? Correct. And you would say that she's like your guardian angel. She came and, and, and showed you love. She showed you the worth that you have to give to other people, not just to her, right? Because Correct. she could have come in and just say, you know, just love me. But she showed you something bigger that a lot of people don't do. So, you know, she, she opened up her heart to you and showed you how to, this is what I'm, this is my guess. And I, tell me if I'm wrong, that she opened you up to be able to love others as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's going to be the byproduct, right? When you feel love, then mm -hmm. you can give love. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and until then, uh, you know, I wasn't giving it because I didn't have any. So you decided to go into business and you, you've created an amazing business where you help other entrepreneurs truly level up to generate what over a quarter of a billion dollars in sales. And so you're teaching people the proper ways of, of sales, proper ways of doing business. Tell us how that came about. Well, ironically, uh, it came about because of, uh, you know, the first, you know, all the mistakes I made in the first part of my life left right. me with, you know, child support, tax, debt, all these other things. And my paychecks were being garnished. Mm. And so the government was taking half of my checks and I needed that half to live on. 
Right. And so I needed to find another way to earn more money. Mm. So I needed, I was looking for a commission sales environment and, uh, and I, you know, ended up finding a door to door sales alarms jobs that was able to double, to give me my money back that I could, so I could keep enough so that when the government took half of it, I still had enough, but I could make more because I could sell more. And then little did I realize that, uh, you know, this was going to be a good place for me because then I started, you know, putting in the to be able to outsell the office that I was part of, be able to um, start having my own team that was out producing the office pretty soon. You know, I ended up with a dealership with a couple of partners. We had three dealerships and three cities and a phone room, you know, mm-hmm. and, and entrepreneurship just became thing for me because I could control my income. I knew that I I was in control of how much money I made. It wasn't just based on a set wage. And so I started learning that young. I, you know, I knew how to sell. Then I had to learn, well, you are making money, but it isn't, running business isn't just about making money. It's it's being able to earn, earn money consistently. And then it's about how do you set up your systems and, and structures so that you can run it profitably so you can make, you can actually walk away with money. And then after that, how do you keep money and start protecting money? And these are the phases that we're in now. It's like, it just continues to grow. Once you learn it, then it's about, you know, the, your biggest wealth, the, your biggest contribution to the world is going to be, able to be how much you can serve and solve for people and like it or, or love it or not. A lot of that shows up in revenue. So the more money you can make, the more impact you'll be able to make. And then of course it's direct, it's a, it's a cycle. It's a virtuous cycle because mm. the more you help, the more you earn, right? The more you earn, the more you can help, right? It just continues to grow. You just get smarter with it and more strategic with it. And so, you know, we, we moved along and I, you know, I've been in several different businesses in, in my life. And for the last eight years, we've had, uh, you know, a done for you sales agency and work, you know, with, with coaches and consultants and service-based experts um, that are scaling. And we help, we, we fine tune their systems and their strategies and their processes so that you can plug salespeople in and people hire us to do their sales for them. And we come in as their sales division and grow their company. Mm, that's beautiful. Tell me how important it is to, to have those systems because, and, and, and how to even start creating systems. Because a lot of businesses, they think that they have systems, but they really don't. Because if they're not in the business, the business shuts down. If they're not running it, if they're not doing, they think they have a system, yeah. but they can't, they can't tell the, t- like they can't give you and me the key and say, here, here's my, here's my systems, run the business and take over tomorrow. So when, many people can't do that, even though they think they have systems. So how does somebody set up a system so that they can literally give it to someone else and here's the keys. I'm going over for a month. Absolutely. Uh, and, and that should be everybody's goal. Yes. Right? Everybody I know who opened a business, uh, I'm pretty sure um, nobody opened a business for the purpose of running a business. Right. Right. We opened a business. We started a business because we want some sort of freedom or some sort of control over the process and being able to deliver and you know impact people and, and step into a purpose or a calling. But we get trapped because we start running the business and then all of a sudden the business is running us. Mm-hmm. And so the first step is, is really understanding that everything you do is a system, right? It doesn't, don't confuse system with automation. Like you have a system for brushing your teeth, every single one of you. You get up and you do, you do open the lid, you rinse your mouth, you pour it on, you squeeze the tooth. You have a system, every step in that process, that's our part of the system. All you have to do to start with is, you know, just put a big circle, right? Start draw a circle on a piece of paper and identify, just draw like a line. We call them the spokes on the wheel. And every single line is a different role, a different step and process in the company. And you have, here's your sales process, here's your operations process, your marketing process, your content delivery process, your hiring process. Everything you do is a process. You may not know it. It may not be a good process, but you have a process. And so at least you can identify them. And then you start looking at which ones, which processes do you need to be involved in? And the ones that you don't need to be involved in, then you need to immediately just go inside of each one of those processes and just start writing out the steps. Here's what I do first. Here's what I do second. Here's what I do third. And usually you're going to start at the back end. Here's the result. Here's what I did before that. Here's what I did before that. Right? It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. Just document all the things you do in order to deliver that result. Now you have a, a system. Again, it may not be a great system, but I promise you it's better than most people's systems because they don't have anything documented. 
And so once you have that in place, now you can just start identifying who should, is, is there, you know, right now you're the only person that might be filling in all of those roles. Right. But once you have them all identified, then you can start seeing, oh, you know what? Raphael is a great person for me. He might be able to fill this role for me. You know, your tax accountant, he's on your team. He's one of your roles or she's one of your roles, right? Your CPA, your, uh, your attorney, you know, if you're, if your uh, mother is helping you do a uh, customer service, well then, you know, everything she does in her process, that's a process that you can then either for her to do or for you to replace with her. Um, so the first best is just writing it down, document everything you do and, and don't worry about how detailed, just document it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, I even have videos on how to clean the bathrooms because <laughs> you know, you, you get, you get someone coming in, and you ask them, do you know how to clean the bathrooms? Of, of course I do. Okay, let me see you clean the bathroom. And then you go, you, you give them the leeway, right? And then you go back and you check the bathroom and they didn't do a couple of things. I'm like, uh, how come this is like this? That's like this. And they're like, oh, yeah, I have to do that too? Yeah. Right. A lot of times I don't even anymore, I don't even say, do you know how to clean the bathrooms? I'm like, this is, this is, this is how it's done. And you could have done it 20,000 times a different way, but this is how we do it. Yes. So it, it's creating the systems of how you need to do things. Now, don't get me wrong. For me, if someone says, I have a better way of doing it, yes, I want to know. I want to know about, right? Don't you, Jim, always want to know a better way of doing things? Because can we streamline our systems? Definitely. I and mean, we should always be seeking that. And that's part of what, what gives people greater uh, greater personal worth is if we have feel like we have more to contribute. So when we provide the opportunity for other people to improve our process, then it, it will give them a greater sense of fulfillment. So, um, and then you know, the, the more you can do that, the more you give people opportunities to achieve greater fulfillment under your roof, right. the more comfortable they'll be there, right? And then the harder they'll want to work, and the more they'll do for you. Um, and as a matter of fact, something that's really important that we talk about a lot in our company is every single role, even the person who cleans the bathroom, needs to understand what's the purpose of that role and what does it, how does it serve the company and your, or your customers mm -hmm. so they understand that it's important. Like if somebody's building technology, if someone on your team is building sales pages, or building booking links, it's not just a task. They need to understand that that's part of making sure your sales team is ultimately equipped to serve clients. If you're cleaning the bathroom, it's because you're delivering a wow experience for everybody who walks into your building. Or, you know, you, you have to make sure that every role has a clear and defined outcome towards serving the team or serving the company or serving your clients. So you talked about online, right? And that's, uh, that's, that's where your, your, your baby is now, right? You are helping people to create events online yeah. where there's so many things. A lot of people think like, oh, it's easy nowadays. Yes and no, right? Because it, there's so many details that go into it. You know, the, the way we we have to first schedule, all the scheduling, making sure everybody's on, on board, whatever it is, there's so many components that go into it, right? Would you mind sharing with us just, just like some of those components? Absolutely. And, you know, first of all, we define an event as an educational experience that leads to an enrollment opportunity. So anytime you're teaching, right, you're teaching people and the goal is to help them get clear around one specific problem. And if you can, in that event, whether it's a webinar, a coaching call, a three-day conference, whatever it might be, get them to a specific outcome. Hmm. And then that specific outcome, no matter what problem you understand, write this down. This is writer down there. Every single solution comes with it a new problem at a greater level yes right if you help somebody solve leads you know lead generation fantastic now you've given them a new problem they now have to solve how to solve serve how to make more sales right if you you know no matter what you're providing um you're solving one problem but it's opening the door to a new problem which is always a great thing because then it's either another problem you get to solve or a partner you get to bring in who they can solve for right we work with a lot of different People, you know, we marketing companies, et cetera, work with us. They generate leads. We close them for our clients. Now that we start closing more clients, we most of our clients need operations support because they need someone who's going to help them 
build more structure into their company so they can serve more clients or maybe they need a hiring solutions, right? Because now they have more people to serve, right? So no matter what problem you solve, you're always going to be starting a new one. So when you're doing an event of any kind, get crystal clear as to what is the problem you're solving in this thing. You know, you might be teaching them 10 different things, but at the end of the day, you should be solving one problem, one clear outcome. And then you'll know what you can sell them to move them forward into your world, right? And so the, the biggest challenge for most people is we think we have to teach them everything we know and you don't. It's actually less is more. Teach them how to solve one thing specifically and they will be so much more appreciative because they'll actually be able to take that and, and put it to work instead of you teaching them a hundred things that they'll never remember and nor will they figure out how to solve. They'll just be overwhelmed and then ultimately you won't really help them. Right, right. I, I love the, the idea of the one problem, right? One solution, right. even though, and, and I like the, the idea, listen, right? You don't want to give them a full meal. You want to give them a taste, right? Right. And, and, and sometimes that taste has to last, right? Because it has to last long enough to, for them to say, hmm, I really want more. I want more of that, right? No right. matter what it is. Because otherwise, how successful will your event be if you don't have people saying, I want more? Right. And it's also, it's, you got to be careful because one of the things that I hear all the time is give them what they want, right? Serve them what they need. And because most of the time people don't really know what they want or they can't really identify the problem. You're the expert of the problem. So you have to actually know what they need. Mm. Right? So somebody says, yeah, I want to make more money. Like my people come to us all the time. I need salespeople. Okay. They think they need salespeople, but most of the time what they need first is they need an offer that doesn't suck. Right? Most people have an offer that isn't clear, not compelling, and doesn't suck. So you put salespeople in that process, and they're not going to be able to be effective either. If you don't have a system, you don't have a strategy, you don't have a process, you don't have a process that's designed to make revenue, then you're going to take great salespeople and make them very mediocre. And so we actually we know that what you need is you need to be sales team ready. So we want we get people fine tuned. We give you an offer that doesn't that is powerful and compelling. We help you dial in your avatar so you know who's the person that has the real true bleeding neck problem that you solve, and then what's the journey those people need to be on so they realize they need to be buying what you have, right? Then we plug salespeople into that so that they can sell them. But we're not we know that that's not what they need first, and you know the things that your clients come to you with that require your expertise not just the solution they think they want and i i went to my wife and i went to uh we were on a trip in lake tahoe several years ago and uh and i went to get a massage at this masseuse down by the lake and i came in i had a knot in my back and i told the guy yeah right back here the big old knot right underneath my shoulder blade i've been there he's okay great lay on your back but my, my knot is back here or he said, no, excuse me, uh, yeah, so I, I was laying on my back, so he couldn't get to my back. And um, he said, just lay on your back, I'm going to fix it first. I'm like, but my back. <laughs> and he's like, I got you. So he, and he spent 30 minutes working on my chest, on my neck, on my calf, in my foot, and then turned me over and fixed the back. Right? But he eliminated the problem because the problem was started with, where all my where all the nerves were connected and other things that were happening here. Had he done what I told him to do, he would have temporarily relieved my knots, but he wouldn't have solved the problem. Yeah. Right? He was the expert, so I had to trust him to know what needed to be done to solve the problem. And too many times we show up just looking to make the client happy instead of trying <laughs> to solve the problem. Right. And that that's why we need experts like you, right? To to guide us Amen. through the, what we think we know, what we think we want, yes. and to, to finally say, hey, you know what? This is not my first rodeo, right? Yes. I, I understand where you're coming from. So I, I think a, a great coach like yourself will, will probably analyze everything first, right? You understand where they're coming from, what is their outcome, and maybe even forecast what the outcome of the whole event would be like, right? Let's let's do and you probably do that with the clients too, right? Because then that way they'll have more trust in you because they go like, Oh, I didn't think of it that way. And and I think this is why we need 
gym in our lives. If we're going to do a live event, we need gym in our lives, right? And it's not just you. It's you, 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 you have a whole team, you and your wife, right? Yeah. So you guys come in, you know, because it's not your first rodeo. You've been doing this for a while, right? right. And so there's so many components that truly come into. And, and how big an event, event do you guys handle, by the way? Uh, we have one coming up next weekend, actually, that's um, should about 1,100 people. Um, we have another one coming up in a couple of weeks after that. That's, that's um, this should be about seven thousand people. Mm. But then we also do events that are more intimate with a hundred people or less. Right. And so it's just really setting the right. You don't need a huge event to have a huge outcome. Right. Right. So uh, it's just making sure that you're you're positioned really well. You have the right people in the room as opposed to how many people you have in the room. And then you're going to have a captive audience for whether it's a one day, three day, whatever length of time you're with them. And in that time. You get to shift the narrative. You have a captive audience to show them how the world works in your world, mm. see the world through your lens. So that because that you don't want to have an environment where you're show, reminding people of stuff they already know. Right. You want to show them a new perspective so that they go, "Wow, I never thought of it that way." And now that they're thinking of it that way, if they want more of that, they got to come to you to get it because you're the one who has that perspective. Right, right. It's and it's all about perspective, right? Yes. So, how does somebody? put an event together and how do you, like you told me there's an event coming up and it's got 1100 people. Yeah. Are these paid already or these are people who promise to be there? Cause you, we always get the, yeah, I'm going to be there. Right. So how do we secure, like you have another event for 7,000 people. That's a lot of people to be handling. Right. right. How do we secure that they're actually going to show up? Is it, Ticket sales is how far are you forecasting this so that people can say, you know what, this is an event I want to go to. And do you do it three months out? Definitely not a week before to get 7,000 people, right? Depending on the size of the event, how far in advance do you have to start to set things up, to start marketing, to start even getting the, the, the players involved? Well, the, the three main things that are going to determine the length of time and how much you have to put into it ahead of time is, is if it is a seasoned audience, a seasoned offer, and a seasoned event. Meaning, if you've done this event before, you've done this offer before, and you have a, a big audience that you have influence over. If you're doing that, you can get away with a pretty short runway. You can get away with 60, 90 days or less. If it's a new offer, something you haven't offered before, if it's an audience that's, that is not familiar to you, or if this is an event you're doing for the first time, you need a longer runway because you have to indoctrinate people. You have to bring them in. You have to warm them up. You have to show them why they should be in your world in the first place. And you have to move them along so that they understand. Because you're asking, even if you give a free ticket, you're asking somebody to exchange three days of their life to be with you. You better be promising me something great. Mm -hmm. If I don't know you now, if I know you and I've been following you for a while or I bought other things from you, then you don't have to convince me as much because I'm here. I'm in for it, right? But if you're running cold ads or promoting to partners and you have new people in your world, then with a new offer, then, then you, you might need six months to put this thing together. Now, you don't want to be too far out because then people don't remember why they even booked and why they should show up. Um, and in the virtual world right now, um, the closer you get to the event, you know, we're seeing 30 to 50% of sales come in the last week to 10 days before an event. And so because people just are not committing to things until the last minute, because they're always looking for like, well, let me see if some of the better shows up or, <laughs> you know, if it's an in-person event, it's different because they got to book travel, they got to book flights, they got to do things. So they need to make commitments early, right? But in a virtual environment, that's not the case. Right, right. So you can't give up. If you if you, you know, if you want 100 people and you've only got 40 and you're still two weeks out, do not be discouraged because you're going to see probably that double double that revenue or double that attendance over that last couple of weeks. But then from there, you it's your, you have to make sure that, you know, we we, we call it, you know, um, providing sticky behavior. So if we know we have people that are going to come, then we our team will reach out and make phone calls. We'll send texts. We'll send swag bags. You know, you get a box of materials and it doesn't always have to be fancy stuff. But when you send stuff out, you're giving somebody, you're making a commitment to them. You're saying, here's the resources for the event. And they're going, oh, cool. They sent me this stuff that I'm going to use for the event. So we're basically bypassing the, are you sure you're coming? And we're just coming with, we're assuming you're coming. And so are you now that you have this? And 
know, if it's an in-person event, we do things like, hey, we want to book you. We want to make sure we have reservations for you for dinner because there's two different dinner options. So you don't say, are you coming? We say, what do you want for dinner? Which automatically implies you're coming. <laughs> right. right. Stuff like that. So you just want to be as creative as you can and, and you know, future pace the experience for them. And the more of those things you do, the better you're going to be. You know, our team will always call people ahead of time when they've registered for the event and we'll do assessments. We'll say, okay, what do you want to get from the event? Where are you in your business? What's going to be the greatest outcome for you? And if we put this exercise together for you to solve that problem, will that help you? Right. So all of a sudden they're invested like, okay, yeah, they're, they're already part of the curriculum. They're putting in time that's going to help them feel cemented to the experience. Yeah. A a lot, a lot, a lot goes into it. You know, I I was, uh, I was invited to take a look at an event that happened probably last year. And it was supposed to be a live event that I was told it was going to be live. It was not live. Everything, all the speakers had already recorded everything. Nothing was live. And it was like, you know, behind the curtain type of deal. And I'm like, wait a minute. You guys told me this was going to be a live event because they had wanted me to be in in the following one. Right. And I'm like, okay. So they just, they gave me a ticket. They said, come take a look. This is what we're doing. And it said, we're going live at, you know, I think it was, uh, I think they were in UK time or something. And they were going live at 7 a.m. Eastern time, which I'm in New York. I said, okay. So I log on. And I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And I had a buddy of mine logging in as well, because they wanted both of us to be on for the next one. And we're like, we, we call each other and we go, what's going on? They're like, I don't know. So we, we send an email to the, the guy who's running this whole thing. And what wound up happening is it wasn't live. It was, we could have gone through all of the, 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 the whole process Instead of a three-day event, which they, they said it was, we could have done it the night before. We could have done it at any given time. Meanwhile, we had set time aside because we thought it was live, but it was not. How important is it? And obviously, we did not <laughs> go with that person because they, they wanted us to be part of their event in the future. Right. And we said, you know what, this is not what we want. And they promised so many people. And I think they only had 42 people. They, they promised like almost like 700 people. Right. Only have 42 people at any given time because we looked at the numbers because we were allowed to do that. And I was like, wow, this is just like badly run. How important, and obviously they didn't do it with someone like you because would you allow something like that to happen where they claim it's live, but it was not? Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I think we're in an environment and in an age today where one of the most important things that customers are looking for is an authentic experience. Yes. And, you know, I don't think people would, I don't think you would have minded if there was 42 people, if they told you that there was only going to be 42 people. Right. Right. Don't promise the moon if you can't, you know, we we get people to sponsor our events, but, you know, if we're going to have 250 people in a room, well, then somebody's going to have a different level of expectation. If we say, hey, we're going to have 50 people in the room, then they know what their expectation is and they can still choose. I've made plenty of great outcomes with a room full of 50 people. Oh, yeah. As long as I know what's going on ahead of time, right? So it's it's really understanding that and, and being clear and transparent for people. And um, and people know, we, you know, 20 years ago, webinars weren't a common thing. Now they are. And so everybody needs to understand that, like, you know, a lot of people know they're recorded. A lot of people know if they're alive or not. Just tell them. Yeah. And people don't mind. I choose to watch some webinars at midnight because I know they're recorded and I can watch them on my time. Exactly. I'm showing up for live experience. I'm expecting to exchange like you and I are. And then I want to know that. All I, just tell me the truth so I can make my own choice. Yeah, yeah. And, and I didn't have to, like, plan my day accordingly. Because, like you said, I could have watched it at midnight. And I could have. So, and, and, you know, like, I've been to events where it's only 25 people. And then I've been to events where it's, like, you know, 1,600 people, you know, 8,000 people. And when we go to events that are smaller, right? It could be an amazing, amazing event if the person putting it together has truly done the diligent work that needs to be done prior, during, and even after, right? So how important is that for anyone putting an event together? Well, it's it's vital from this perspective. Um, We do a ton of 
um, of follow-up work and phone work with people. Here's the thing you got to understand is the client cost of acquiring a client is going up every day. Mm. Inflation's going up. It's cost more. You got to be more sophisticated to be able to get in front of the right audiences. It just costs more. That's not a problem. As long as you're very, very strategic and intentional to ensure that you are getting the value out of the client that you need. So if it costs, let's just say it costs you $500 to acquire a client, but you're going to make $5,000 over the lifetime of that client or $50,000. But if the cost of a client goes up and now it starts costing you $3,000 to get a client, Mm. that's okay as long as you know you're going to make an additional $10,000 on the back end. Or whatever that number is. Those numbers could all be blown up. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's smaller too. Most important part is you have the part of the way you you get a better ROI off of your client acquisition cost is you have to be really intentional about guiding that experience for everything. If you do a, a workshop with 50 people and you are hoping for 500, but you treat all 50 of those people as if they were your ideal client, ideal opportunity, more of them will buy from you. And then more of them will buy from you multiple times. And those who don't buy from you can still refer people to you because they saw how much, how much respect and value you treated them with. And we get, we've made millions of dollars in referral business. Mm. And I can tell you that at least half of that has come from people who never paid us a penny. Really? They showed up for a free training or maybe they on our Mm -hmm. blog or on our podcast. Right, right really respect us and how we treat and so they still refer people to us even though we weren't the right fit for them to buy from us yeah it's, and you're you're a thousand percent right it's it's how we treat someone right when they go some to a, to an event or a retreat or anything like that even online right it, it's it's the way we we can handle that you know a lot of people will inundate your inbox yeah. right how important is the messages that come and how, how should they be structured so people don't feel like, oh, I am bombarded and it, it starts to feel like it's annoying? Well, the first thing that, uh, first rule of marketing is that uh, everybody was not designed to be on your list. Just because they're on your list doesn't mean right. that sometimes they just wanted that free gift. They're not interested in the problem. They were just checking mm-hmm. it out. So don't ever take anything personal. It's just business. If somebody unsubscribes, that's that's on them. That's not on you. It's, it has zero reflection on your level of a nuisance, your level of relevance to them. It just means that right now they weren't interested. All it means. So don't assume facts that are not in evidence. Second is, if I cannot own your feelings. Mm. If you feel like I'm emailing you too much, then that just means you feel that way. And it's my job to ensure that if I'm going to email you that much, that I have relevant value to deliver to you. Yes, yes. I can't just be in your inbox promoting stuff. I need to be in your inbox delivering value and letting you know that I get you. I understand you and I have something of value for you. And that's your responsibility is to, you know, you're quite honestly, uh, you know, your inbox, your, the email list you have is really the only marketing asset you own. You don't own a Facebook platform. You don't own social media. You don't own anything except your email. So you treat those people like gold. Oh, yeah. Treat them like gold. And I'm not a frequency person. I don't have any issue. You got, send them five emails a day, send them five emails a month. That's up to you. I think the more you send to people, the only thing you have to ensure is that it's of value. Because if want to hear from you they will read your emails and they will open them if they don't want to hear from you then they won't it is really that simple so your job is to be as relevant and valuable as possible and you know we try to be as clear as we can on people who come into our list because we don't want you on our list if we can't serve you so we want you know don't try to get thousands of people if you can get hundreds of people who are absolutely perfect for you to serve I love that. And especially when when you talked about the value and I've gotten both of those emails, right? The one of just like, Hey, it's happening. This is happening. That is happening. That is happening. And there was zero value. And I was like, yeah, I already put on my calendar. I don't need this anymore. And then there was other ones is like, this is happening, but let me, let me give you something in return for your time. Right. Or or let me give you this valuable uh, thing that a tool or whatever it is. And those emails 
were easier for me to look at than the one the reminder emails, right? But what what I'm trying to get at is when we do send reminder emails, that's when we also have to send the value too as well. Yes? Yes. And value comes in many forms. Sure. Sometimes value can just be a very clear message. Mm. It doesn't mean I got to teach you a new thing today. Right. Correct. But it can mean there's like, why? Just remember this. There should always be a trade-off in their favor. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and, and then how, how important is follow up after the event? Follow up is everything. Um, follow up is what says that is what says that you chose to spend time with me, and I'm showing you that that time was very important to me, and I'm glad that you spent that time with me, and that this conversation is not over. Yeah. Whether you bought from me or not, I'm still here to make sure that you win. And you know, because too many times, if if you show up at my event and there's no follow up, it still could have been a great event, mm-hmm. but it's literally as now you've minimized it to a transaction. Right. You know, oh, I showed up, I did some stuff, and now I don't matter to them because I didn't buy from them or whatever. Right, right, right. You want to demonstrate that your time was so important for you to spend with me that I still, now we've had a conversation and now I have more value I can add to that conversation. Right, right. Right? Yeah. So you always want to make sure that you have, the, the biggest reason people don't follow up is usually because they don't know what to say. And then if they do know what to say, they don't have a system to ensure that they can continue to say it. So it's not rocket science. It's just you have to ensure to do it. So first, what is the event about? What is the problem it's solving? What are the things you're introducing into their world? So that mm. and what's the relevant conversation to continue with? If I'm teaching you some new concepts about building sales systems, well, then I have to assume you're still going to need some reinforcement, some education, some encouragement. So my post-event engagement should be around more system structure. Hey, if you haven't tried that, try this one because this could add to the exercise we taught you. Or hey, I'd love to hear what wins you're having because I'm you know, mm. implementing this new stuff. You're literally building a relationship with somebody. So just treat them as if you would if we were just talking every day. Yeah. yeah. Right? And then it becomes more interesting because they know that when they open your email, there's something important in it. And if you say, hey, we have a Q&A call on Friday, they know they should be there because they know you're going to teach them something great. Right. Because you're demonstrating value all the time. And then when you do, they may not always open your email, but they know that when they open your emails, they're going to get something they need something worth consuming. And so it is vital because then and then when you do that, when you know what you're going to share, then you just build a system, document the process and you ensure that uh, here's the 10 things that I could share with people post event. And I send one out every three days or every seven days, or every three hours, whatever it is you're doing that you, as long as it's valuable, they will continue to do so. And, and then inside of that, don't commit yourself. Part of the reason people don't won't follow up is because they don't know what to say. They just keep going, hey, how are you doing? Have you changed your mind? <laughs> right. That's annoying. Nobody wants that, right? But if you're valuable, and inside of that value, it doesn't always have to be you creating something. I could send an email to my list saying, look what Raphael sent for me. I wanted to share. Mm. with you guess what right. value and i didn't have to create it right third party relevance right you could say hey tony robbins or uh elon musk look what elon musk said about sales and coaching if right. it works for him it might work for you something to think about right so your third party validation you're sending things of value to people it doesn't matter who created it it just matters that you're the one who creates the context for it and shares it with them yeah i love that i love that so how important is communication during the event? Because I was at an event recently and they had an app and with the app, it kept everyone engaged. And, and there's so many different apps now that, that do that, right? Yeah. Because they had contests, they had meetups at the event, right? right? Things that they didn't even put together, but they had people, the uh, the attendant, the people who were attending it, were able to create their own meetups. Hey, we'll meet up and have lunch here, or we'll do this. So I thought that was really cool and engaging, and it kept everybody in the thought of, I'm having a great experience. Not only am I learning from all these different speakers, coaches, and, and meeting all these people, but I am engaging, and there's now I have things I can do. There's activities that were because in the past you go to an event and you know they have like from eight till five o'clock. There's all these speakers, 
But with this whole thing, what I loved about it is that because they had so many rooms of speakers, they also were able to create space for someone to say, hey, instead of going to lunch, I, I can teach somebody something. Right. And people were like, wow, I want to do that. Or I can teach somebody a early morning workout or join me for a workout or join me for a barbecue by the pool or whatever it is. Yeah. And I thought that alone just connected everyone so much better at the event. And I think it was, an, it was just an amazing event. And that definitely brought a lot more value to, I think, the, the event itself, rather than the dry, boring, here is a piece of paper with the layout of the rooms and what speakers are in it, right? Right. Yeah, well, you also, you want to avoid being a talking head, right? Because uh, mm -hmm. information is great, but there's only so much great information. Right. You know, I mean, almost everything we hear, we've heard somewhere before. Right. So it's not the information, it's your spin on it. It's what you can do with it. Mm. And so you want to give people something to do with it. Uh, we actually, when we do events, um, we run a, we follow a format for every exercise. We, we follow the learn, do, share process. Mm. So if we're going to teach on a concept, um, you know, around follow-up, right, we'll, we might teach a concept on it for 30 minutes. Well, of that 30 minutes, 50% of it, should be learning. So we're going to teach the concept and then we're going to do. So then 15 minutes is, do, is going to be teaching it. Maybe five to seven minutes we're going to do it. Say, here, do this exercise, fill in these parts of your follow-up process so that you can see now that you give them a, a chance to actually practice it mm. and feel like, oh, I can accomplish this. This is good. I can, I can learn this thing. Now I've learned it. Now I do it. And now I share it. So then you put them into a breakout room with each other to share with each other what was the, the two, what was the number one thing you took away or do this exercise together so they can share it you're now building community inside of your event because when people want to buy and move forward with you one of the things that they are constantly doing is they're asking in their mind can i live in this environment hmm. live in this world and when you put them in a room with other people who are on the same journey as they are they're getting affirmations of like you know what i like this Raphael guy Right. I like this gym guy. I think I know. What, I, hey, I, I, yeah, I can work. I can spend the next twelve months with these guys. I would love to spend the next sixty days with these guys, or whatever it is from what you're right. saying. So you're building community, and you're and you're letting them know they're not the only person. You're not. I'm not the only knucklehead who has this problem. These other guys have this problem, <laughs> and they're figuring it out too. Yeah. And then from there, then you then you know, let's say you have you know, hundred people on or a thousand, you you put them into a breakout room, and then you when you bring them back into the general session, you bring a couple of people up on the mic. You go, how was that? What did you learn in your share session, right? So now you're literally building a community and it's all being centered with them and with you as the leader of that community. Right. And, and I think by, by building that community, you will have another successful event the next time around, right? Those people will have those memories, fond memories, because everybody's taking pictures, everybody's doing things like that. Uh, Jim, by the way, I put on, if, if you see on the screen, I put your information there. Make sure that's correct, my friend. I want people to reach out to you. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that is, uh, that's our 29 online events. Um, it's a resource that we, we're giving away. Um, we do a lot of events and we, we did, we spent so much time, spent years doing in-person events. I've done 30 years of doing events, trade shows, mm. et cetera. But when COVID struck, we started doing virtual events and a lot of people were like, you know, how do I make money online? Right. So what we did was put this resource together. It's got 29 profitable online event ideas, all things that we have done to make revenue. It also is attached to a secret series of videos uh, and, and some assistance and resource that will is, is me unpacking those different uh, resources. And then I think at some point it invites you to a workshop. And so make sure you follow that series all the way through. And again, any of the emails that come in, they're us giving value to you and us inviting you to, to learn more about us and come, you know, take a deeper experience with us. So oh, that's awesome. So wh when do you have your workshops, Jim? We do monthly workshops uh, every monthly. month. Uh, they're either work focused on events or building sales strategies and systems. And so uh, something that we always encourage you to, to, you know, stay in the loop on and keep your head out for, because uh, we usually there are, you know, half day workshops that we do every month and we're literally trying to make sure everybody understands what are the parts that are necessary to build a company that is ready to scale? Hmm. So, so here's a big question. Is it live or is it virtual or is it both? 
Great question. A distinction. Mm. It's live and virtual because live, live versus recorded, virtual yeah. versus in person. Mm-hmm. So a live event is something that is actually in the moment. Mm-hmm. A versus, uh, virtual is still live too, right. but in person is the key significant uh, differentiator. Our monthly workshops are virtual. Uh, our quarterly events are live and in person. Mm. And where, where do you hold, hold those, by the way? Uh, we're in Nashville currently, so we we do uh, events here in Nashville, yeah. and uh, and and depending on where what's going on, you know, we, we we do them in Southern California, where it's always nice and sunny and awesome, warm. Um, right. So we left we left California because it got a little crazy, but um, but yeah, Nashville because it's a hot spot. It's a destin. Apparently, it's a big uh, bucket list place for a lot of people. Yeah. When we say, "Hey, we got an event in Nashville," like, "Oh my God, I've never been in Nashville." I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know what? I think. Uh, yeah. Just let me know when it's when it's happening. If my schedule is clear, I want to come in and hang out with you. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. We love that. Uh, we do have a big event coming up in October. It's virtual. It's it's actually it's virtual, but we have in studio. We have some VIP tickets that we will people will be able to join us in person mm. in in uh, in the studio for a handful of people and get a personal experience with us while we're doing the event. So I'll uh, definitely share more of that with you. And that's our sales team ready live event that we are helping people build their sales, their, their systems identified so that they can then start putting sales team in place to make that happen. Nice. Nice. Man, would I love to be a fly on the wall? Yeah. Hey. Or better yet in person. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I love what, when, and, and that's why I do coaching call because it's, it's extremely obvious to me that you are very well versed in what you do, right? You're, you're helping people, you're a coach, you're a mentor, you are making a difference and you're, you're impacting so many people. And that's why I'm so happy that we, that you took the time to have this time with me and my audience so that we can make our events even better, right? To understand that we have to be givers always. Because when we're looking for a handout, it, it doesn't play the same way as when we're looking to serve. Right. And, I, and, I, and I, you've been saying that the whole time. And I've been listening, right? I've been grilling you too. So, <laughs> but here's the thing, right? That's what's fascinating to me when I when I talk to someone like yourself who is giving, who is making an impact. That's what my show is all about, and that's why I got to be honest. I'm addicted to the show because I get to talk to people like you. So thank you so much for, for being here. Is there any other way that someone can reach out to you and and maybe even get you to you know coach them or help them along? Yeah, um, actually, if you will, sure. If you everybody got a cell phone, I'm assuming you do, or you live in a third world country, maybe but pull out your phone and go to open up a browser and type in Jim P J I M P 360.com Jim P 360.com. Right? And that should take you to a site. Pull and get those browsers. Who's got the fastest internet, right? It should take you to a site that looks like that. You can see it. There we go. Right. And uh, if, if this site has, jimp360.com yeah all right all right let's do it people let's so open it, it up and it's got all the ways you can reach me so you can reach me on your term you can reach me on linkedin facebook uh, instagram you see our websites check out some videos we're always updating this and then but don't you don't need to do that stuff right now at the moment push the button on the top right that says contact mm. click on that the top button there is my is, is it says send text i want you to send a text to me it says with your name and your email and say that you want anti-closer and I will shoot you a presentation on the anti-closer sales system. So you can start, start getting to work on setting up a system that does not require closers for you to make. Mm. I'm happy to give that away for you, but at the very least just reach out and say, hello, let me know that you found us here on the coaching call podcast with Raphael and uh, uh, I'm happy to help you out, answer any questions and start guide get you into some of our free resources and communities. Because uh, we're here for you. If you're not, if we're not helping you. We're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. So, yeah, I love it. I love it. What, what, one before you go, you know, w- one of the things that, like I said, you are impacting people, and, and I'm so happy that you took the time to uh, visit with me, if you will. Right? What would you say in all of your events? What would you say is the biggest lesson, biggest takeaway for you 
life can change in a minute. Life can change in a minute. And it's fascinating to watch people go through real transformation over the course of a half-day workshop or a three-day live event. And so when you, when you know that that's the reality, you, are, you have to do the things that are responsible to create the right environment to create positive change and not take advantage of people. So use those powers for good and not evil because um, you, you have incredible influence when you've got a captive audience for a set period of time and speak into them because they're opening up to you and trusting you. Yeah, absolutely. My gosh, Jim, this was uh, super amazing. Thank you so much. You've taught me so much and we definitely will be in touch and, and I, I want to come visit. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, I'd love to have you. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. God bless you. Have a great day. All right. You too. Enjoy. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I ask that you please leave me an honest review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. I'm trying to keep this episode free of advertisements. Anything you can donate to the cause is greatly appreciated. To donate, go to paypal.me backslash Sifu Raphael. Thank you and I really appreciate your help.